Hi everyone, Pastor Rod Plummer here from Tokyo, Japan. I'm doing a series on the nine spiritual gifts. I believe in the supernatural. I believe in a supernatural God. And from the moment I became a believer at 19, I have seen God move in country after country, church after church, person after person. I've seen the supernatural. I believe totally in the Word of God and being based in the Word of God, but I believe that we serve a supernatural God who intervenes and helps us in life. This series is about called The Nine Spiritual Gifts. It's from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 10. There's nine gifts spoken of. We're going to do the first one today. Number one is called the, the Word of Wisdom, the Word of Wisdom. Let me read to you uh, the whole passage of the nine gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of languages. And to still another, the interpretation of of languages nine nine gifts here we're going to do number one and it's called the the message of wisdom or the word of wisdom the the greek is logos sophias the the logos the word sophias is a, a famous word in 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 jesus day of, of of this incredible thing called wisdom and and what this gift is is one gift out of nine we don't get them all we get we get one or two or three maybe but um jesus Jesus used almost every one of them in, in the scriptures, which we'll look at. Um, three fast facts about this gift. Number one, it's supernatural, not natural. It's it's beyond human wisdom. And in, in Greek in Greek days or Paul's day, Jesus' day, the Greek concept of wisdom was almost like God. And in the Bible, um, wisdom is a factor of God, a part of God, but very different than the Greek wisdom. Supernatural wisdom supersedes our natural understanding of how to solve a problem. If you you want my definition of wisdom, it's being solution-oriented, not being problem-oriented. And, and in a moment of time, something happens. Number two, fast fact, it's not universal. You don't get wisdom on everything. You don't get wisdom on science and maths and medicine. And it's not wisdom on everything you look at. It's it's God's moment of wisdom in a moment of trial or problem or complexity. And that's why this can be used in fast fact number three, can be used in all of our life, in our job, our study, research. Um, it's a person who loves to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And I think that these people also like to get wisdom. The only warning would be that they search in the right place. But it's supernatural. It comes on you in a moment and it solves an incredible problem around us. So what I'm going to do is do Old Testament examples, Jesus' example, and example from my own experience. Number one, Old Testament examples. We've got two. They're really famous. Number one is about Moses' father-in-law. His name is Jethro. Good name, Jethro. And uh, Jethro was a, a leader in the wilderness when Moses was taking the children of Israel through the wilderness. And Moses had about 3 million people, they think. And somehow he was trying to solve all the problems of all the people. 
sounds like some leaders today and why some leaders are burning out actually um, if they're trying to do too much problem solving with people. Um, and there's an answer. And, and this, this is actually used in universities as one of the earliest pieces of literature about problem solving in the history of the world. The Bible, Exodus chapter 18, verse 13 to 26, is used in Harvard University and other universities as a test case or a study case about problem solving from ancient history. It's still relevant today. And, and here we go. We're going we're gonna to read about the, the problem of Moses trying to care for everyone, this person, this person, all day long, all day long. And Jethro's watching and um, he's going to say in the middle of it, what you're doing is not good, and then give a solution. Are you ready? This is a pretty famous story, and I hope you enjoy it. This is from Exodus 18, 13. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as a judge for all the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. And when his father-in-law, that's Jethro, saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for all the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses answered him, and I've heard many leaders say this, oh, because the people come to me to seek God's will. I'm going to stop here. Time out. Many people don't take a solution because they're trying to do too much themselves. There's no multiplication, no training, and this leader... This Moses leader, man of God, will burn out. And um, verse 17, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, replied, what you're doing is not good. <laughs> what? This is not good, Moses. This is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Now, listen to me, and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. So Jethro's first thing is, yes, you are the leader, Moses, and you need to go to God and you need to get wisdom and you need to seek the Lord. But listen, because that's just the first step. Verse 20, teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. So point number two is teach, train, teach, train, teach the people. Get Train as many people as you can. Multiply the teaching. Multiply and show them this way of leadership and and uh, how they are to behave. Verse 21, select capable men. Select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. How many people were there? Three million. And how many leaders does he need? Well, he needs thousands of leaders. So it's got to be a fast training. But, you know, it, the children of Israel had tribes, 12 tribes. They already had 12 leaders. They had 12 leaders already. So Moses had to train 12 who had probably had to train, I don't know, 12 or 20, whatever it is, and until it got through to that everybody had some leadership. And, and so it was leaders over thousands. They're like your your high-level leaders, very high-level, hundreds, that's pretty high, 50s, yep, and 10s is your starting point. And, and so this is the very simple wisdom. Now, when we look at this today, we think that's 
Of course, of course. But back then, it was revolutionary. It was revolutionary for a king or a leader like Moses to release and authorize this sort of training and leadership structure. Back then, it was incredibly good. So let's read on, verse 22. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide themselves, and that will make your load lighter, and they will share it with you. This could be a modern CEO handbook. This could be just incredible um, HR uh, tool or a, in the church, a teaching tool for, for great church leaders and great church leadership and serving in the, in the house of the Lord. It's incredible stuff. And so he's saying, um, uh, you know, l- let them deal with the case and bring to you the case. And just like today, what that means is you bring the case, there's a discussion and wisdom to the leader to go back and solve the problem. So Moses is not taking on back the thousands and tens of thousands. No, he's he's using what we call situational leadership. He's actually training as the problems arise. It's pretty amazing. All right. And um, I'm just going to finish it off. It says here in verse 23, if you do this and God so commands, you will be able to take the strain and all the people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people over a thousand, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. That's really important. It just continued on. It was a new pattern of leadership and the difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. So let me say again, through this simple problem solving, Moses could live a good life. The leaders of a thousand, hundred, fifty, ten could live a good life and all the people could grow and learn to be leaders over time. And every person, it says, went home satisfied. Is that called problem solving? And so Jethro had this word of knowledge, said to him, this is not good. This is going to hurt you and it's not going to help the people. And boom, an incredible solution. Number two, this is also a very famous story, probably more famous. It's called Solomon and the baby, King Solomon and the baby. And as we Go to this story. Again, you're probably thinking that that's just easy. That's just like I would have done that. Um, you've got to realize thousands of years ago, this was not done. This was the first time in history we read of something like this happening. So you've got to put your brain back and think, wow, this really was an amazing moment. And um, it, it's from King Solomon, King David's son. And um, these... It was a very poor situation. Two ladies living together. They were prostitutes, it says. Um, one of them, uh, unfortunately, the, the baby died in the night and, and both of the women claimed the living baby was theirs. What is going to happen? You probably already know the answer. But again, let's put our brain back into this first time in history this happens. 1 Kings 3, 16 to 28. Now, two prostitutes came to the king, King Solomon, and stood before him. One of them said, pardon me, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. And I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house, but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on it. So she got up in the middle of the night, took my son from my side while I, your servant was asleep. And she put him by her breast and put her dead son 
by my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son and he was dead. And when I looked closely at him in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. The other woman said, no, the living one is my son. The dead one is your son. But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours. The living one is mine. So they argued before the king. And the king said, this is the first time Solomon speaks here. This one says, my son is alive and your son is dead. Well, that one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. And he looks at the people and he says, bring me a sword. And everyone, what? Bring me a sword. This is verse 24. So they brought him a sword and he gave an order, cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. Now, I think it would have been hard for Solomon not to smile at this point because he knew they were not going to kill that baby. He knew what was going to happen. He, he wasn't a cruel king. You need to understand that. Cut, cut, cut the child in half. Verse 26, the woman whose son was alive was deeply moved and out of love for her son said, please, my Lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other one said, neither I nor you shall have him. Yep, cut him in two. <laughs> Guess what's coming? And the king gave his ruling, give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is the mother. Wow. Now, again, you might know this story, but I just want you to get in context. The whole court had never seen or heard this. All of Israel, probably all whole world had never had a king do this. And, um, Verse 28, when all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. Don't you love these Old Testament stories? They're real from a time in history, ancient history, but they're really relevant. Uh, and this is the wisdom we're talking about, the word of wisdom that can come upon someone, solve the problem, and people go, wow, that was amazing. How did you get that? And the answer was it was supernatural wisdom from God. We're going to come to the New Testament and Jesus. I'm just going to give you a, a couple of uh, Jesus passages. I love Jesus so much. He changed my life. Still to this day, I feel his presence, and I, I'm believing for wisdom for me and for you. Um, but let's just have a look. Uh, w these these stories, um, or this the, the scripture I'm going to read, is because Jesus was being challenged by some very mean people, mean people called Pharisees and Sadducees and some others, and um, they were not in favor of Jesus' mercy and love uh, and were looking to hurt him, and they are actually the ones that yelled in the end, crucify him. Anyway, let's read the story when Jesus is in the temple courts, which is open to anyone, and these guys come to challenge him, and he brings up a... A question in response to their question, question for question. They ask him a question. He says, okay, if you answer my question, I'll answer your question. All right. Jesus entered the temple courts. This is Matthew 21, verse 23. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked. And who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I will also ask you one question, and if you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. And it doesn't have it here, but the probably the chief priests went, that's a fair deal. Okay, here's the question from Jesus that 
if they answer, okay, John's baptism, John the Baptist, John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or was it of human origin? And they discussed it amongst themselves and said they they knew this was a big problem, what Jesus had said to them. They said, if we say John the Baptist is from heaven, they will say, well, why didn't you believe him? But if we say, no, John the Baptist is of human origin, we're afraid of the people, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So Jesus, I'll answer your question if you answer my question. John the Baptist, from God or from man? That one bit of wisdom just took the pressure out of these guys who were really out to hurt Jesus. They were really out to destroy him. And one question just took took the, the whole pressure out. Verse 27, so they answered, Jesus, we don't know. And he said, well, then neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. And everyone would have gone, whoa, this is just wisdom on on high. Just, just dissolve the problem, dissolve the opposition. There was no violence or problem that day, and Jesus went on teaching in the temple courts. Pretty, pretty wonderful our Lord Jesus operates uh, at this level. Of course he does. And another scripture, John 2.24, it says, Jesus knew all people's hearts. It says, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. So Jesus was had this, this, this gift operating regularly. It doesn't mean that Jesus had all knowledge about science and, and architecture and uh, world travel. No, it, it, he understood when he was talking in a situation, this wisdom came upon him about people, circumstances, and how to deal with things. And I love that about Jesus because uh, it's encouraging that this gift can come upon us sometimes. Sometimes we just, whoa, this amazing thing. My last example from Jesus is a very simple one in Luke 9, 14, where the, Jesus fed the 5,000. And it says there was not just 5,000, it says it was 5,000 men besides women and children. In other words, it probably would have been ten to 20,000 people there and he's out in the wilderness and he's, 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 he's doing this incredible miracle, multiplying just a few bread and fishes and, and giving them to his disciples and then giving them to the leaders. And how do we know there was 5,000 people there this day? Well, 5,000 men that day. Well, it's the, what he said next. This is Luke 9, 14. Jesus said to his disciples, have them, the people, sit down in groups of about 50 each. So 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50. If this is 5,000, well, that's 100 little groups. And um, Viv and I have been to the, the mountain in Galilee. It's very steep, and it's incredible how you can speak at the top and anywhere on that mountain you can hear. Uh, we were there. We we tested it. Someone went right at the top and Sang a, sang a song and we could hear it word for word, Amazing Grace. They sang Amazing Grace. We heard every single word way down the mountain or, you know. Um, so you can, you can see how in groups of 50 organized and Jesus at the top, the whole thing could have happened. And then the disciples, all they had to do was give to the head of 50, the head of 50, the head of 50. And as it multiplied out, the 50 would have all given and it says all was satisfied. There was even some left over. And so this is what we call an organizational wisdom. And I love this because it helps us understand that in 
in our job, our research, our teaching, our sales, our parenting, God can bring a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, a, a, a solution. And um, so before I finish, let me talk about a few a few examples from my own life. Um, obviously, my own life's not as important as these ones from the Bible, but I just want to explain to you how this works because I believe some of you will operate in this gift and maybe most of you at some point will experience this supernatural problem solving from God. And so as, as a young, uh, younger Christian, I, um, I was a sales rep. I, I sold, I promoted pharmaceuticals to doctors. Uh, I joke about, I used to sell prescription drugs, um, but it was to doctors. It was legal. <laughs> um, and in my job, I had to visit 500 doctors in a year. That, that was the job in a part of Sydney. And I soon realized from the statistics, there was a few very important doctors. They prescribed more than um, a lot. And it was, all, it was impossible to see those doctors. They were so busy. They were so popular um, for a sales rep to get an audience with them. I had to get past their secretary and then I had to actually, uh, they had to agree to see me. And, um, but I realized there was a few doctors I, I really needed to see. And what I discovered was my company used to give out plastic um, body parts to doctors like um, a knee joint or an elbow joint, um, bones. It's not real, it's just plastic. And um, they had been given out a few years earlier before I joined the company. And I went to the... Uh, storehouse and I found out I found all these spare um, parts of the body plastic parts of the body and um, I, I, I just I, I, I did a little research and I thought I wonder if those special doctors have all these body parts I'm sure they want them because in the, in the office the doctor can pick up an elbow part and say to a patient well you see here this is where your pain is from etc it's a it's a great tool for doctors. And so I collected all these old, um, and I explained to my boss, and he said, oh, we've already given out all those years ago. I said, yeah, but you know what? If I just put him in my car and I say to the secretary um, of the doctor, hey, I've got all these these things in the car. Would, would the doctor just give me 10 seconds if I was to give him either uh, one of an elbow or a knee or an ankle or a toe? Or, and she looked at me like I'm a weirdo. And um, a few of them finally said, okay, I'll ask the doctor. And I, 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 one doctor came out, said, uh, not didn't come out, he said to his secretary who came out, yeah, he'll have um, that ankle joint or whatever it was. And I went to the car and got it in. And I walked in and I said, doctor, I'm really happy that you accept this gift from our company. Can I just tell you 10, 10 seconds, something about our product, 10 seconds. And he went, oh, all right. And so I was able to give a message. Now, I don't know how successful that was. All I'm saying is I just had a moment of how to solve a problem in sales. And, and I believe that any, any part of life God can give us, if you're a teacher, how to help that child or in marketing, how to understand those stats or in um, whatever it is in church, it's how to help people, how to solve a, a, a people organizational problem, how to, you look at something and God gives you the answers. I've had this this operate um, in different times in my 
life. I lived most of my adult life in Asia, which I love so much, but there were some dangerous moments. One was in a South Asian country and I was in the back seat of a car. I was not the driver. I was in the back seat of my little and my the van was was involved in a small collision. No one was injured, but it was a small collision and it escalated. And I think it partially escalated because I was a, a white guy, a foreigner in this country and people could see that and people started running and my driver, who was a foolish young man, hit another man through the window, through the open window and there were fight and then people were coming and I felt the Holy Spirit say the word of wisdom is to run for your life. <laughs> so I opened the door of the van, grabbed my briefcase, it was pretty light and I ran out through a market, ran, 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 watched behind me, the crowd was growing and screaming and yelling and and I, I ran through the market. I think some people might have been following me. Um, got to the other side of the market and a taxi was there and I got in the taxi and went to my um, meeting place. And I look back at that and think there was that moment I didn't know what to do and what was going to happen and I felt God say, run for your life. <laughs> That's wisdom in that situation. Another example is um, when we moved to Japan 19 years ago and I had a small team that was really struggling we didn't have jobs or visas or places to stay. It was a very difficult moment. And uh, all of a sudden, I had this idea that every week we were going to have an encouragement meeting. And so every Wednesday, we, we booked out a little hall and we got together, myself and Viv and my two little boys who were nine and four at the time, and 10 young Australians and a, a lovely young, a lovely middle-aged Japanese couple were with us and um, we had this meeting and everyone was discouraged. Like people were going to go back to Australia. It was so hard. It was so like, wow, we didn't sign up for this. And um, But I said, we're going to go around the room and everyone has to say something positive that happened this week. That's the rule of this meeting every week. And everyone went, oh, you know, we haven't got anything positive. I said, no, no, you got to think of something positive. And the things they came out with were, ridiculous, sometimes hilarious and funny because people were trying to make something positive out of a, a very negative situation. So someone said something like this, I, I got on the train today and, 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 I, and I thought I could, I could take this train to the airport and get a plane back to Australia, but I didn't. I'm here tonight. Everybody, yay. Next person. Well, I've been trying to get a job I, and I, went, I actually got a, a job interview this week and I went to the job interview and I didn't get it, but I had my first interview. Yay. It it was so ridiculous that we laughed and we smiled and then we prayed and I felt it was a word of wisdom. And you know what? One by one started to get positive things, jobs and uh, rental homes and visas or whatever. But we carried on that, that culture of positivity to this day. And I think it's a big part of the reason why we've been successful in a wonderful country like Japan that has never heard the gospel of Jesus before. And the church has grown and many Japanese have have received Jesus and become leaders in our in our churches. And um, I think it was a word of wisdom. Like, what do I do, God? The, the team is the team is upset. The team could leave. And this this crazy encouragement meeting became a key factor. And you might start to think something like, well, that's just natural or no, 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 this stuff comes upon you. And so let me say two things in closing. In closing, First of all, 
this is about being solution-oriented, not problem-oriented. A lot of people can bring the problem. Not everyone can bring a solution. This gift, the word of wisdom, comes on you as a problem-solving moment. It's not there all the time, although you do have a natural wisdom, but it's a supernatural solving of a problem, seeing the solution, understanding the moment, getting something from God, and there is an outworking that is very, very good, like Jethro with Moses, like King Solomon with the the, the two women and the baby, like Jesus over and over again. Can we have this gift? Yes, it's supernatural. I believe in a supernatural God, and I hope some of you right now are thinking, I had that. That was like that. That was like that. And others of you are thinking, I want to have that gift because I love knowledge. I just love wisdom. And and others, there's other gifts. There's other gifts that will that will excite you. And as we do this this study of nine gifts, this is number one: the the spontaneous supernatural bit of wisdom to solve a problem. It can happen in any part of life. And I want to really encourage you to to believe that God is real and he intervenes in our life. I'd love to pray. Thank you, Lord, that you give us this gift at some times and some people really operate in this gift and I pray we would understand it, we would see it, we would pray for it, we would operate in it, especially as leaders, we would solve problems, we would be problem, problem, uh, not problem-oriented but uh, solution-oriented We would look for every solution and every problem and you're going to give us some supernaturally in the night, in the day, in journaling, in church, at work, with the kids. There's going to be a moment uh, of, of divine inspiration, supernatural wisdom. And I pray for that, for our churches, our leaders, our people, in their jobs, in every part of life. Thank you for supernatural gifts in Jesus' name. Amen. That's the end of our study of the first gift, the word of wisdom. God bless you all.